one approach that I've always taken that I think is helpful is when you're faced with these, what seem like impossible to overcome challenges, you just have to take your perspective and boil it down to the, the shortest amount of time. What can I do within the next five minutes? What can I do within the next hour? What can I do within the next day to solve the problems that are in front of me? This is The Day That Changed Everything, a podcast series produced by MainBiz, Maine's business news source. Every two weeks, we will post an interview with a business leader whose life was upended in one day and learn how they navigated their way back. If all great change is preceded by chaos, then this podcast series seeks to make sense of the chaos. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI, or Maine Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. As the CEO or owner of a small or mid-sized business in Maine, You've got the weight of the world on you. But what if you didn't have to go at it alone? What if you could journey with an elite team of peers who've got your back and an experienced guide who knows the lay of the land? With that level of support, how far could you go? For more than 60 years, Vistage, the world's leading executive coaching and peer advisory organization, has been helping leaders reach new heights. Learn more at Vistage.com. That's V-I-S-T-A-G-E dot com. Welcome everyone to the first episode of 2021. I'm Renee Cordes with Maine Biz, speaking with Devin McNeil, co-founder and CEO of Flowfold, about the day that changed everything for his company during COVID. Devin, great to have you on our show. Thanks for having me. First of all, for listeners who may not know your company, tell us a little bit about Flowfold and what you guys do. Absolutely. So we design and manufacture a line of everyday travel gear and accessories. And it's, we primarily use recycled material. A lot of folks in the community may have recognized us from our wallets. We started back in 2010. My partner and I, Charlie, were graduating from the University of Maine. And we had made wallets all in college and high school. And we figured, hey, let's give this a shot. So you know, a lot of trial and tribulation and a lot of late nights has, has led us to the company that we are right now. So we've got about 25 employees based in Gorham industrial park and we split our time between our ppe manufacturing and our travel and wallet gear accessory manufacturing and you guys started in 2010 isn't that right that's correct yep uh, on peaks island i believe if i'm not mistaken yeah. yeah so we started on peaks we were actually in the house charlie grew up on and you know we were in bedroom and we were building websites and making as many wallets as we could so it was you know it was very scrappy from the start Literally speaking. So the story of how you began as a solution to a problem is pretty interesting. So what inspired uh, you guys to start this business? Absolutely. So I I would say anybody wanting to start a business selling wallets primarily to men, it's a difficult proposition. Men typically will buy and use a wallet for years and years and years, and you don't have many buying opportunities. So for us as a high school student, we really weren't satisfied with the wallets that we were carrying. They were leather, they were old, they were bulky and heavy. So Charlie, when he had a summer job in a sail loft, he saw some recycled material. He knew the performance features of the fabric and he thought, well, I can just sew myself a wallet that will be stronger and lighter than the ones that I can get. And so we did. And there's been a really big push towards obviously sustainability and just having minimal durable goods. And so we kind of rode that wave. And you know, being in business for 10 years now, 
we've been able to develop really a core loyal group of fans who want the characteristics that we wanted in wallets and not only wallets and bags and backpacks and totes. And the name Flowfold, does that have a special meaning? Yes, it does. So uh, Flowfold means it's a geological term that means when rocks bend, uh, but don't break over time. So it's, it's kind of a, a hint at the strength of flexibility. So we want our products to be durable and strong so that you can use them at the beach on a hike or every day. And so where can people find Flowfold products? So half of our business is through retail partners like L.L. Bean, REI, a lot of independent brick and mortar stores. And then half of our business is online, flowfold.com. And we also sell on Amazon. You're also international, aren't you? Yes. So yes, about 15% of our our sales are international. Japan is some of our large, one of our largest markets. And where are the wallets made? Wallets and other products? So all of our products are made in Gorham in our manufacturing facility in the industrial park. Right. Now, going back to early 2020, which probably feels like a lifetime ago, how was Flowfold doing before COVID? So before COVID, we had some really exciting growth plans. You know, we were probably going poised to release eight to 10 products this year, uh, some really fun collaborations with national brands. And really, we felt like the wind really was in our sales and we, we were moving in a great direction. Like I said, 50% of our sales were through retail partners. So in March, when COVID was starting to really creep into our country and start impacting things, we had a huge exposure in terms of what does our business look like? And it, and it presented some very significant challenges. And you had big plans for the year. Absolutely. Yeah, they were, things were looking very good. And when COVID came in, it was really basically business evaporated. We both had large exposure to retail, which, which closed as well as just being in the general travel industry. People were not purchasing duffel bags. People were not purchasing passports. People weren't purchasing much of anything. So we were really looking at this as, you know, how do we survive? And so at what point did you guys start to see what was happening globally and in this country and think this might have an impact on your business? So early March is when we really started to see COVID pick up. And since we're involved in supply chains and we understand how things are made, I think a lot of business owners can relate to the two questions that were going through our minds. One, how can we help our community? And two, how can we keep business going? So for us, it was a matter of we know we have incredible manufacturing team and we know we have a very flexible and advanced manufacturing facility that could be easily retooled to help serve our community and create the PPE that we knew we would need. So what we did is we reached out to Maine Health and said, hey, we're here, we're available, how can we best help? Can, we can be a resource, use us as a resource. And they came back to us and said, we cannot get any of these PPE items. It was a, it was a long list of anticipated shortages. We reviewed that list and for us, face shields became the obvious choice of something that we could manufacture well, create a high quality product and also do it at scale. So we worked with them for about a week going back and forth with their doctors and their team to to get a final prototype. And then within a week, we were shipping orders to them and 
many other hospitals throughout the state. And now just backtracking a little bit to, you know, when uh, COVID first, when the outbreak first occurred, you said one concern was how do you keep your business going? So what was going through your mind at that early stage, you know, especially that week, that day, March 12th, when Maine reported its first confirmed case? What so, went yeah, through your head at that point? It was, I think when one approach that I've always taken that I think is helpful is when you're faced with these what seem like impossible to overcome challenges. You just have to take your, your perspective and boil it down to the, the shortest amount of time. What can I do within the next five minutes? What can I do within the next hour? What can I do within the next day to solve the problems that are in front of me? So for us, it was a matter of, okay, let's identify what we are good at. Any business needs to understand what their differentiators are and what really sets them apart. For us, it's manufacturing. We can manufacture quickly, we can manufacture at scale. So we've seen a lot of success through our customized products where we're letting customers design what they want and we're executing on that. This is really no different. And when you get down to what the mission of Flowfold is, our mission is to make quality products that improve the everyday lives of individuals and the communities that use them. So yes, face shields and PPE and wallets, while they may seem like completely different products, the same principles apply. And so when you get back to the why of why we are a business, it made a lot of sense. It's us trying to figure out where the opportunities are, knowing that we can move quickly and move at scale, because this was a problem that was really a tsunami. And there were so many incredible businesses that stepped up to the plate. You needed every single one of them because this was an urgent problem and a problem in an order of magnitude that we just didn't have the supply chains for. And when you sat down with your fellow co-founder, your management team, you know, back in March and try to figure out what you do, what were those conversations like? There surely must have been a lot of nervousness, right? Absolutely. I mean, managing yeah, so a company, you didn't know what the next day would look like. Exactly. So it was very much a test and learn. Like we just didn't know. We had no idea what face shields would become and mean to us as a business. We were thinking really, how can we make a thousand units this week? How can we make our first prototype? How can we keep our people safe and, and deliver a high quality product you know, at a, at a reasonable cost. To now, did you have to shut down customers. your factory at all uh, so we as this, other manufacturers did? We did this completely on the fly. So we did, we were, we quickly transitioned. It took us probably an afternoon to move around our machinery and good was better than perfect. So for us, we, you know, you understand how you have, you know, the, the benefits of moving fast. So like anything in our business, we try to test and learn, test and learn, test and learn, get as many feedback loops as we can. And so we were rearranging, doing it, measuring, rearranging, doing it, measuring. So we didn't take any time. We, we put some core principles in terms of like, this is the PPE you need to wear. This is the, the social distancing that you need to do. And we just did it on the fly. So let's um, sort of talk a bit about, you know, how that happened and how you made the, the transition. So you talked about sending an email to Maine Health, asking them what they, they needed and what was their response? 
So, so their response was, we need this list of PPE products. We identified face shields as a product that we could, we could make. And then it was, it was really an incredible off to the races moment, the support that we got from them. So within a week of identifying face shields as a product that we could make, we had a prototype and we're manufacturing and it took us a week to make the first thousand. So from product identification to shipping, it was two weeks. And then once we shipped our first product and we had a product that we were happy with, then we started the press push because we wanted to make sure that all hospitals at least had this as an option. And then within two weeks of that, we were serving most major hospitals in Maine, most, a lot of major hospitals within New England and had a, had a contract with the Maine CDC for 500,000 units. So this was a matter of a month. We went from prototype to a thousand units a week to close to 50,000 units a week. So it was a mad scramble to both get our supply chains in order. The material shortages were real during this time. We were paying 85 cents a yard for things that typically cost five cents a yard. We had to build up our manufacturing capacity from five manufacturing employees to 40 employees overnight. And we needed to do that ourselves. And we also needed help from local businesses using their manufacturing resources. L.L. Bean has been incredibly helpful. American Roots, Alfred Upholstery, all of these companies came together and helped. And we had just a, a massive collaboration to deliver what the hospitals and the CDCs and the schools and our community needed. Now, when you got this list from Maine Health, it was a pretty long list, I believe, right? So it was. when you saw that long list, was that kind of daunting? It was daunting. And we had to make a determination of, do we try to do a little bit of everything or do we try to do one thing really well? And something, one business principle we try to live by is really invest in your strengths and, and double down. Because if we would have tried to make masks, face shields, booties and glove and gloves and gowns, we wouldn't have done that nearly as well as focusing on really, really expanding our face shield production. So it was really just a focus and, and, and a determination of we're going to do this limited scope, but we're going to do it really, really well. So I think pretty much everyone knows what face shields are, but maybe you could just sort of walk us what you guys produced and what went into the production and the different components. So. Yeah, absolutely. So face shields, one of the reasons why it stuck out to us immediately is because face shields are, you know, just PET plastic, a barrier that a lot of um, people really need. And so for us, the plastic was available from one of the manufacturers that we used. And actually the plastic that you that, were already using for exactly, other Exactly for our wallets. So we were using plastic that was primarily designed for windsurfing shields. And when a windsurfing shield, you know, if you can picture it, it needs a window so that the windsurfer can actually see through. So this plastic that, that we were using <laughs> multi-purpose was tested in the most intense conditions. So you're talking about plastic that is really over-engineered for the purposes that we were using, but it created a really great product. It was light, it was durable, and it was transparent. So it, it worked really well. And that was really the primary reason that we chose face shields. 
Interesting. And so you were talking about that first order of 1,000. I think you got that out in, in what amount of time? It was pretty quick. And I think it took us five days to produce. How did you price that first order? I'm curious, because it was a brand new product. It was. Or uh, a brand new client. Yeah. Best guess. I mean, we, we've constantly tried to improve our manufacturing efficiency of these face shields. And so we were, this was just an, an opportunity we saw of like, how can we make this at the lowest cost we possibly can and deliver it to customers? It was honestly, it was, it was a lot of guesswork. <laughs> and so that first order was a thousand. Then next one, the next month was more than 500,000. Is that right? Yeah. So that was exactly. So we did, we shipped, we shipped a thousand in our first week. And then we, two weeks later, we had an, had, uh, an order for 500,000. And since then we've been shipping about 30 to 50,000 a week. And you stopped making wallets presumably and yes. your other products. At this yes. Point. We had but to were make you filling orders while all this was happening. We had to make a really difficult decision this summer to, to, uh, on the production resource planning. And we made the decision to go all in on face shields sell through the inventory that we had already built up on our Flowfold products and customers understood. We, we, we wanted to do what was right. And it took us a few months going from going from a thousand to 50,000 units a week. You just, you can only do so much. So it certainly was hard. You spend 10 years of your life trying to, you know, build a company and when you aren't able to serve a market, even if you're doing the right thing, it still doesn't make you feel good. But those are some of the trade-offs that we just had to make. Unprecedented times, certainly. So now we are going to take a very short break and hear from one of our sponsors. And then we'll, we'll talk a bit more about what this transition entailed. Mainers have an unrivaled work ethic, an endless supply of ideas, a boundless energy to create, and the perseverance to not say it's done until it's done better than it was before. Which is why the Maine Technology Institute was created to support, nurture, and invest in those qualities and make Maine a place where ideas and people can thrive. To see how MTI supports innovation, go to maintechnology.org. That's maintechnology.org. When we approached this opportunity, we really wanted to say, okay, what are we trying to achieve here? And for us, this was our Maytag moment. This was an opportunity for us to get our name out there to show the world the type of quality products our team can make. And in many respects, this has opened up more customers to our brand in a way that we wouldn't have been able to throughout our traditional business. Welcome back. We're talking to Devin McNeil of Flowfold about how the niche textile manufacturer switched to making face shields during the pandemic. So Devin, tell us what that first week was like as a PPE manufacturer and remind us who your first customers were. So our first customers were Maine Health, Maine General, and Northern Lights. And the first week really was for us, the most important thing was getting the first order out on time. And Did it go out on time? It did, just barely. <laughs> on, on time and high quality. You can't get to 50,000 units a week if you can't do 1,000 units a week. So it was really trying to maintain perspective 
and really, you know, you, you have to walk before you run and making sure that we have processes down. We're not trying to go too fast. We're not focusing on all the demand that we're seeing. We're focusing on what's in front of us. And what was the hardest part of that uh, transition? You had to obviously have social distancing. Did you have to reconfigure the factory floor at all? Some of the hardest things were just understanding how we were going to improve our manufacturing process. We knew we knew the cost and the speed that we were doing, and we knew that we wanted to make it better. And making it better is mostly a function of time and experience, which you, you can't make time and experience. You just have to do it. So for us, it was a matter of in order to get costs to where we wanted them, we had to order in bulk and, and, and major bulk. And all customers were requiring deposits before we could even get our hands on samples. So there were some material that we had to order that just didn't end up working out. And, you know, we'd have, we would spend a lot of money on, you know, for example, we, we purchased foam from a supplier we hadn't worked with before, and it was really slowing down the manufacturing process. The quality of the product was fine, but half of the foam bars wouldn't stick to the face shield. And so we had to make a call. And thankfully, we found a manufacturer in Maine that made much better foam. But it were things like this where we knew- what You learn we, along the way. You have to learn along the way. And this is, you know, we've been able to close to double the efficiency of our, our face shields and just have a higher quality product. And that's just, you know, you're always going to learn. And getting into a new business particularly a business like this, you want to make sure you're, you're perfect and you, you can do that, but also still learn. So giving yourself the opportunity to learn and just, just not being overwhelmed by the fact that you're new to this. So we, you gotta, you gotta just realize that and realize that there's just so much opportunity to grow. And did you guys have to make a prototype first before doing that first 1000 production run? Yes. Yeah. We had about, we had probably 50 to a hundred prototypes. It was, it was quite a week <laughs> of back and forth. Wow. And what about the workers? Cause you obviously had to protect your workforce. Uh, they were wearing equipment. So how, how did that go? The workforce? Yeah. The workforce was unbelievably helpful. They were all wearing PPE and social distancing. We have a fair. Can you tell us what kind of PPE they were wearing? Yep. So they were wearing face shields and masks during that time and gloves and sanitization procedures. We were really, we were really going all out. Nobody was allowed in the building. The windows were all open. So we were, we were taking this very seriously because you can't make any face shields if your factory has to shut down. And in sure. this time, particularly in March, we didn't know a lot about what was ha what was happening what the best procedures were so we were very much let's be as careful as we can we were leaving deliveries outside in a box for three days it was it was very very utmost precaution and didn't you also need more physical space exactly so what we did is we kind of created this neat temporary solution where we rented construction trailers trailers that you'll see at the at the traditional job site and we have a large parking space out back and so we had six construction trailers outside that really operated as their own discrete production cells and we did this because we wanted to make sure that if we were to have a covid outbreak we would at least be able to isolate it 
into respective working cells. So really we had six small factories and it worked out really, really well. And it was something that thankfully we didn't have a COVID outbreak, but if we did, we knew we'd be able to isolate it and not have the vectors and cross-contamination we would if we were working within a traditional manufacturing facility. And as you increase production, you're also expanding your own workforce along the way and hiring more people. So how did that go? That went really, really well. We had some incredible people that just stepped up to the plate and understood the gravity of what they were doing and were unbelievable learners. We had at, at our height, we had 40 people here working on face shields. And it was just an amazing and inspiring group of people that just came in and, and got the job done and were constantly learning. And how did you find them? Before this time, everybody always complained about workforce hiring challenges in Maine. So we didn't have much trouble finding them. We found a lot of people through word of mouth and just the time when we were hiring. We were hiring April, May when a lot of college students and high school students were coming home and didn't have the normal summer jobs they were, they were uh, accustomed to working at. So we had a lot of summer help. And so that worked out really well. And you know, you find four or five folks that they'll tell four or five folks and they'll tell four or five folks and, and so on and so, and so on. on and so on and so on. And so for us, I think it was just what we were doing. People wanted to be part of that. So I think that really helped. And so by the end of the year, you were up to how many employees? We had over 40 by the end of the year. Yep. And as you um, ramped up orders, and you already mentioned this before, you had partnerships with other manufacturers who were helping out. You mentioned LL Bean and American Roots. So how did those collaborations work? That was a phone call saying, we have far more orders than we can handle. Mm -hmm. Do you want to be part of this? And it was getting on the phone, getting the contracts negotiated, getting the material to them and just going forward. And that was something that we wouldn't have been able to do without really quick companies that understood what was going on. And LL Bean, Alfred Upholstery, American Roots were all companies that were ready to step up and, and help. And so at one point, you went uh, beyond just producing for hospitals, right, to producing for individual customers, I think companies and so Absolutely. forth, even selling on Amazon. So how quickly did that happen? So this was fa fairly quickly. It's, it's hard to keep track of time over, over 2020, but sure. <laughs> like any business, you need to understand where the market is, what the customer needs are, and how you can help solve problems. So we got up our scale and it was pretty clear that we had a good solution for the hospital network. And that was the priority. We, we prioritized the healthcare workers. Then thinking outside of that, what other needs and what other industries needed this? Well, schools, they need protection. So we've sent our face shields to thousands of schools across the country. And working with schools, we identified that they needed a child student size version, you know, specifically for younger students who visual cues are such an important part of learning. So we developed the child's face shield and we have shipped thousands of schools units for children's face shields. Mm -hmm. Then after that, each time when we were able to satisfy the market, we, we, we identified new opportunities for this. And the direct-to-consumer market, which is really our traditional business, was a huge and turned out to be our biggest market. So as you mentioned, 
we were the 11th best selling face shield on Amazon at a point in time when Amazon, when the term face shields were one of the 10 most searched products on Amazon. So we were sending face shields to people all over the country. And that was really, really a cool evolution. And it got us really back to kind of our, our core e-commerce business. And looking back over you know, 2020, it was really a, a, a nice evolution. And I'm really proud of the team for identifying the needs and then serving customers across different markets. And the Flowfold name, I think, is on the face shields itself that you sold to consumers. Uh, exactly. Or to so, you know, when we approached this opportunity, we really wanted to say, okay, what are we trying to achieve here? And for us, this was our Maytag moment. This was an opportunity for us to get our name out there, to show the world the type of quality products our team can make. And in many respects, this has opened up more customers to our brand in a way that we wouldn't have been able to throughout our traditional business. So from a business perspective, it was very valuable for us. And the fact that we could be helpful to our community was, was you know, a really nice one-two punch. And on the production side, uh, you know, because you, know, you were doing this for a while, did the production get more efficient as you went along? Could you do it in a shorter amount of time and at a lower cost? Absolutely. So, so when we started, we've doubled the capacity that we can make these face shields in. And that's, again, just through continuing to listen to people on the manufacturing floor. Like, they come up with incredible ideas. And every single week we do training and we do observations and iterations on how to make things you know faster and higher quality so it's like anything else you have to walk before you run and if you give people the opportunity and the communication channels that they need to 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 communicate good ideas then those are the type of results that you're going to see and the equipment that you had on premises to make wallets, could you, you use all of that equipment to make face shields? Like yeah, you have it, a new we, cutting machine, we, for example. We could, we could. It was, it was just a function of we needed a lot more. So again, it was every single time that we needed help, our community stepped up. So we. So had you a, didn't need any new machinery for the face shields? Machinery we, I'm talking about. We, we did need new machinery. We had everything, we had everything that we needed to make 10,000 units a week, but we didn't have everything we needed to make 50,000 units a week. So when we were seeing the, the market opportunity, we were making calls to MTI and saying, we need, to, we need to purchase a new cutting machine. Is there any funding available? And they quickly, within a week, got us a loan so we could purchase another cutting machine, which this was- This was during the, the dur production during, of PPE. Exactly, during the scale-up portion. And so it was really- we had essentially like a mini flow fold production or mini face shield production space. And then we just needed to make it 10 times bigger. So we had what we needed, which was good. And then we just needed to really amplify it. MTI, of course, the main technology Institute, and you had worked with them in the past, hadn't you? Yes, they've been, they've been tremendous partners and resources to us. And for you as a manager leading a company, well, actually a brand new company uh, with a new business model, new product, uh, growing workforce, new customers. So for you personally, what was the toughest part of all of this? 
the toughest part was really just figuring out what what to focus on and how to best lead our folks and learning while we go and understanding that this you know we don't have to have all the answers and really just empowering the folks that we have here and giving them the room to grow the opportunity to grow and and listen and react quickly in the in this instance you needed to be aggressive and you needed to think big and you needed to go all in if you wanted to have the type of success that we needed to have and, and the community required for the, the PPE shortages that we were facing. So ideally in, in our normal set of business, we like to do a lot more product research, product testing, manufacturing, prototype runs. That just wasn't available here. So I think just recognizing the fact that moving fast and learning is better than moving slow and not doing what you need to do. So it was very much like get back to general principles and business is business, whether it's face shields or travel gear. Was it a very stressful time? It was stressful. At, at the same time, it was very exciting, if, if I'm being honest and our country, our community are going through very hard times. What was most stressful for me was early March, not knowing whether or not our business would survive. So fast forward a month, you were experiencing rocket ship like growth. That is not stressful. That's just, I'm going to do the best that I can. And that's going to be what it's going to be. I'm going to do what I can. I'm going to give people the ability to do what they can and we're going to together do our best. And really that's, you know, that's all that you can ask for. Great. So we're now going to take another short break and then we're going to wrap up with uh, takeaways from this experience for you. This is not business as usual. Now more than ever, the Norway Savings Business Lending Team is here to help make sure you're still able to do what you do. But let's face it, this is not an easy time. We will get through it together. It's a great comfort seeing the business community in Maine rallying around one another. It's our job to rally around you. Norway Savings. Live your life in color. If you understand what you're good at and where you provide value, that's going to lead you to make smart investments in growing your company. So understanding your differentiators, understanding really truly where you provide value and doubling down on that. We are back talking to Devin McNeil of Flowfold about how the company transitioned from making wallets and other gear to making face shields uh, during the pandemic. So first of all, Devin, when life get, gets back to normal and whenever that may be, Will Flowfold continue to make uh, face shields or do you see that as a permanent part of your business going forward? I anticipate it will be a permanent part of our business. I do think the, the lives of everyday folks has changed to the extent it has changed, that will be determined. But if this has taught us anything is that customers, everyday lives and the needs that they have as individuals are going to change. And we recognize that we have an opportunity to serve those needs. And when needs change fast, we can adapt our manufacturing facility and give them high quality products. And will Flowfold then eventually go back to making the core products that you 
Yes, absolutely. So thankfully, as we record this, we're getting prepped for our uh, 2020 holiday season. And so now we were fortunate enough to secure a facility down the street from our headquarters. So really right now we have two production facilities, one production facility that focuses on PPE and the other production facility that focuses on Flowfold traditional products. And we're very excited about our brand and, and what we see coming down the future, understanding our capabilities. And really just this experience has taught us that we can really step up and be a big player and, and we can think big and, and solve problems because we have the team that can deliver on it. So we are full steam ahead on holiday. More people are shopping online than ever before. And we have a really strong uh, direct-to-consumer presence and one that you know we're excited to see how that goes. And at what point do you start planning 2021? 2021 is that's possible. Yeah, exactly. So I think like anything else, you you right now planning always needs to happen. You know, for us, we like to you know establish our goals for the year, break it down by quarters. Um, we use an objectives and key results system where we figure out each department what are your primary objectives and what are the key results that will drive those objectives. And for us, it's, a, it's, it's annual planning broken down in quarters. So we're focused on quarter one of 2021 right now. And that's really just laying the groundwork. For us as a, as a direct-to-consumer business, a lot of your customer acquisition, a lot of the stories that, that you're going to tell, you need to lay the groundwork and build a strong foundation so that come holiday season, customers are coming back to you and, and purchasing. So 2021 quarter one will be a lot of storytelling, a lot of product development, a lot of testing, and a lot of reflection on what worked and what didn't work this past holiday season. Right. And you mentioned some of the lessons that you've learned as a company. So based on your experience, any advice that you would have for other entrepreneurs about being nimble? Exactly. Well, I think being nimble is, is a huge advantage. I think you always need to have flexibility and you need to constantly try to solve problems that you see in the marketplace. So if you understand what you're good at and where you provide value, that's going to lead you to make smart investments in growing your company. So understanding your differentiators, understanding really truly where you provide value and doubling down on that. When we made the decision to focus on face shields, we did it because we knew we could do it very well. And so it's very hard to say no and it's very hard to be focused. But particularly in this world, if you're involved in direct-to-consumer software, anything where the distribution is endless and you have, you have the world at your fingertips in terms of customers, being great at a limited number of things is far superior than being good at a lot of things. Very good advice for anyone. Thank you very much, uh, Devin, for taking your time and sharing the story. And to our listeners, if you like what you heard, please subscribe to The Day That Changed Everything and keep listening. The Day That Changed Everything is a production of MainBiz. Find out more about this podcast and other MainBiz media products at mainbiz.biz. The Day That Changed Everything is sponsored by MTI or Main Technology Institute, Norway Savings Bank, and Vistage. The Main Biz podcast team includes Donna Broussard, Allison Nason, Renee Cordes, Maureen Milliken, Will Hall, 
and Andrea Tetzlaff. Audio editor and producer is Chris Sedenka. Logo and marketing designer is Matt Selva. Subscribe at mainbiz.biz or via iTunes, Spotify, or wherever you listen. Copyright 2021.